Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his short work on controlling anger, Plutarch, through his narrator Fundanus, who's recalling his own struggles with and not completely conquering anger, but certainly at least arriving at the point of being able to control it, is going to give us a number of different considerations and we could call them even techniques for anger management. And one of the most interesting ones that is not unique to Plutarch, but actually was used by others in the ancient period is often called bringing before the eyes, meaning you have observed other people's anger. And now you think about what your own anger is going to look like. And, you know, there's a lot of different components to this as we're going to see. So you have to develop a full picture of what you as the out of control, angry person look like. And this will actually help to control anger because of the other emotions and reflections that it produces. You think, oh, I don't want to be like that. That's gross. That's scary. That's off-putting. That's bad. And there's a lot of adjectives that we're going to see Plutarch using. So you begin by observing others. And he starts with this metaphor or analogy. He says that I began to observe the emotion in others just as the Spartans used to observe in the Helots what a thing drunkenness is. So if you don't know, the Helots were essentially a slave class that the Spartans ruled over and actually horribly abused. I mean, sometimes they would just kill them as part of an initiation and they made them do basically all of the menial work. And so they would take their children and have them observe these Helots enjoying themselves. They'd get them in a wine, let them get all drunk. And then they'd be like, see, don't be like those people over there. Look how gross they are. Look how out of control they are. So Fondanus is saying, you know, we can do this with respect to anger. And so he says, just as Hippocrates says that the most severe disease is that in which the countenance or the face of the sufferer is most unlike itself. I observed that those who are transported, controlled, you know, driven by anger have some radical changes in their own appearance. And what are these? Well, he actually rattles off the general classes. So there's the face, the opsis, right? When people get angry, they do things like they furrow their brows or, you know, they make a grr face, right? Sometimes people call this a war face, but, you know, it's really an angry face. And think of your own experience in seeing so many other people angry at others, angry at you, angry in, in television shows and things like that. So the face, color, you know, it depends on what skin color we have. There's really two main reactions. Blood goes into our face and sometimes even our ears and things like that. People used to be able to tell that I was getting angry because my ears would turn red because I have, you know, very fair skin. Blood can also flow away from the face as it does the extremities when you're getting ready to fight somebody, right? And so you might become pale or ashy or olive skin can turn kind of yellowish 
reddish. You can also have all these other kinds of color reactions as well. And then he says gate is translated as gate body smile, literally the way in which we're moving around. So our body language, our posture, our attitudes. We might even say the tenor and tonality of our muscular system changes when we get angry. Some people get very tense. Other people are ready to fight. So that's a key thing. People walk differently. You know, they're determined gait when they're angry. I'm going to go talk to the manager right? or something like that. And then voice. And there's going to be a lot of different things happening with the voice, the phone, right? What it is that we're talking with. And so, you know, he's going to give a whole bunch of examples of this. So he, he talks about appearing terrible and deranged to my friends and my wife and my daughters, not merely savage and unfamiliar to their sight because of all of these things, you know, posture, face, voice, but speaking with so harsh and rough a voice as were others of my intimate friends whom I used to meet at times when anger had made them unable to preserve their character or bearing or grace of speech or their winning and affable manner. So when we get angry, we turn into kind of savage jerks. We raise our voices, our voices get harsher, the tone of our voice changes. We're no longer, at least in appearance, the same person that we were. I'm going to go on a little bit further here and give some more examples. You know, you could be in a state which nature did not intend with one's features all distorted, right? And that, you know, plays a significant role in how we look. He talks about distortion of the face in other places, anger puffing up and distending the face in an unbecoming way, utters a voice more ugly and unpleasant. So we've got a good picture of what angry people look Look like. Now we can actually form a image, a picture, an icon, you know, iconatupathos is what we're coming up with, a image or picture of that emotion of anger in ourselves in the people who we ourselves are. And so he says that, well, when I did this, formed for myself a picture of that, it was uncomfortable to think that I should appear this way to the people that I care about, friends, family, wife, children, right? And this can be a very helpful way of making us get back in control of our anger. And he brings up two interesting cases. So one is Gaius Gracchus, who is an important Roman statesman, and he would get angry. He was an orator. He was severe in his disposition and spoke too passionately. So he had a servant behind him playing a pitch pipe, something like a recorder, you know, we could call it a flute, whatever you want to have it. And so... He had a pitch pipe made and his servant used to stand behind him as he spoke and gave a decorous and gentle tone, which was a reminder. It enabled Gracchus to remit his loud cries and remove from his voice the harsh and passionate element. So he might have actually been angry, but with his servant behind him, you know, playing this nice note, he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have to watch it when I'm talking to people here in the forum. So that's an interesting one. And then... Interestingly, Fundana says, you know, imagine if you had a, a friend hold up a mirror as you're getting angry, like people do after bathing, 
right? They, bathing was like a big, not all day, but, you know, it was a significant thing. It wasn't just hopping in the shower, popping back out. And when we do that, you know, most of us live in places where we have mirrors and we're like, yeah, how's my hair? You know, do I need to trim my beard? Does it need any makeup or anything like that? And we're looking at ourselves. We're seeing what we look like. Sometimes we're happy. Sometimes we're not. We're like, oh, I'm putting on weight. Oh, I'm too skinny. All of those sorts of things. Now, imagine if when we're angry, we had somebody like next to us who brings up a mirror and right as we're like, you know, angry, you know, making a face and saying horrible things. We see ourselves in that mirror and we're like, ooh, I don't like that. Is, that. is that actually what I look like? I mean, it's not inconceivable in the present with the kind of technology that we have. I mean, think about, you could easily take your cell phone and just click record with a video and you see yourself right there, just like taking a selfie. Imagine if we actually had, you know, Google Glass or whatever other, you know, silly things are being designed for eyewear. This would actually be a non-silly application of it. You've got your special glasses on, you're starting to get angry at somebody. And then there's like a little camera, maybe like a drone hovering by you and it shoots you an image of just what you look like and you hear in your ears, your own voice, like maybe with a, I don't know, five second delay talking like a jerk. <laughs> would that actually be helpful? And he says that this actually would help me out. Why? Seeing oneself in a state which nature did not attend. It's going against human nature in a way with all of these features distorted contributes in no small way to discrediting. And the, it's interesting, the word there for discrediting is actually the word for slander, diabole, right? Saying bad things about somebody. In this case, it happens to be true. Your anger is bad for you. So, you know, this is actually useful. You, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's not good. And uh, he's got an example here about Athena as well and Marsus. But what's going on here? So anger puffs up and distends the face. And then he's got this thing about the face and the voice, but also what's being said. So now we're going beyond just, we could call it mere physical appearance and the tone, the content, the, as we sometimes say, mere semantics, which is not never mere semantics of what's going on, what the claims people are making, the things that they're saying are coming up as well. And he's got a great metaphor here. When the sea is disturbed by the winds and casts up tangle and seaweed, right? You know, if you've ever been by a lake, you see all the bits and pieces floating around. He says, there's certain kind of words that we say when we're angry. What are they? Intemperate, acolasta, right? Bitter, picra. Now, bitterness is something that we taste, but it's used as a master metaphor in the ancient Mediterranean world for anger and harshness and kind of disposition that we don't like. And then vulgar, spermologa, words, prema, right, is what we utter, we say to people without even really thinking about it. And then he says, the things that we say defile us, the speakers, and make us look bad. They fill us with disrepute is how it's translated here. They're shameful. If we think about the things that we say when we're angry, when we're later on calm, we're like, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. I really went too far. That was not me. But 
In a certain sense, yes, that is you. And he goes on and he says, "What is the general assumption about these things? People have had these traits, these ideas, these ways of looking at things inside them the whole time, and now the inner nature is being revealed to everybody else. Anger shows the person as they genuinely are inside. He says, laid bare by their anger, brought to light. You could say, right? Unhidden, even it's." Ana calupto menus, and so he says that because of the lightest of things, a mere word, as Plato says, they incur the heaviest of punishments. What is the heaviest of punishments? Being considered to be a certain kind of person, a person who is ugly, a person who is shameful. How else does he describe it? He's got this great concluding thing: echroi, enemies. Right? We treat people who should be our friends as if they're our enemies. Kakologoi, right? Bad speakers, literally people who say awful things. Slanderous is a good way, and also malicious. Kakoethes. Kakoethes doesn't just mean doing bad things, but being bad in habit. Being bad in disposition, and he says we appear this way. Dokuntes in Greek, you know, we appear to be this kind of person. So if we think about how anger does, in fact, affect our own appearance by looking at other people and then kind of extrapolating to ourselves, or even using images of ourselves when we're angry, if we're lucky enough for other people to take those, we can realize that we don't want to be like that. Why not? Because it's bad. It looks. Bad, and it makes us act and, and appear to be other than we would like to think of ourselves as being. So this can be a very useful technique for gradually developing some measure of control over one's own anger. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to Patreon.com/Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.